and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Oftentimes, the beginning of the year feels like a tug and pull in your sewing room. On one hand, you may have made a resolution to finish some of your older projects, finally. On the other hand, there are so many fun quilt patterns being released, and you can't wait to dive into a new project. So, how do we balance the old and the new throughout the year? How do we make progress on our UFOs while still finding time to start new projects? The first idea I have is to set a specific time to work on your old and your new projects. Maybe you say for half of each month, you'll work on a new project, and for the other half, you'll work on an older project. Maybe you say that weekends are for new projects, while weekdays are for making progress on older projects. You may even decide to attend a quilt retreat quarterly throughout the year and use that uninterrupted sewing time to make progress on your UFOs while you have the rest of the year to sew anything old or new that your heart desires. Think through what kind of schedule works best for you and the amount of old and new projects you have. And once you've decided, stick to that schedule. Another idea is to batch steps of the process with your older and newer projects. So, you're doing one step of the process for both an old and a new quilt at the exact same time. So here's an example. If you have to trim triangle squares for a new quilt you've started, but one of your older quilts needs triangle squares trimmed to two, do all the trimming at once. So you've conquered that one step for both projects. You could do the same with chain piecing units together with uh, pressing open stitch and flip units, uh, even with preparing binding. Many times once we have all the supplies out for a step of the process and we're feeling like we're in a groove, it's easy to add a little more work to the process so that we can make progress on multiple quilts at a time. Just be careful that you're not mixing your pieces up. So make sure your projects are separated and that you're keeping track of which project everything belongs to so you don't end up with missing pieces. If you're struggling with motivation, you may try rewarding yourself when you hit milestones in your UFO finishes. Many quilters, myself included, love the excitement of starting something new, and that gives the motivation to begin and make progress on a project. But we don't always have that same excitement for working on our older projects. So a way to generate that excitement is to reward yourself. The reward could be for finishing a UFO. Maybe you decide to buy yourself a bouquet of flowers, a new quilting tool, or treat yourself to a trip to the museum. You could also tell yourself you're not allowed to work on your new project until you've finished the older one. 
If the project is larger or more complicated, you may need multiple rewards throughout the process. So for instance, after finishing the blocks, after sewing the quilt top together, and after machine quilting it. When you're thinking of what your rewards will be, remember what other goals you set this year, if any. So if you made a goal to eat more healthily, don't try to reward yourself with a with a nice dessert or a trip to McDonald's. You know, or if you made a goal to spend less money, try to think of a free activity you, you would find fun, such as maybe attending a free outdoor concert with friends or watching a favorite movie in bed with a glass of wine. You can reward yourself without sabotaging your other goals. And my last tip for making progress on both new and old projects is to delegate if and when you can. This one might be a little trickier, uh, but maybe you could talk a family member or friend into spending time with you in your sewing room. You could work on a new project while they complete a simple task on your old project. Even those with no sewing ability can still learn to iron fabric or press blocks. Uh, They could even sew a straight seam on some small pieces or even light out pieces or blocks on a design wall. You can make it fun by having snacks, playing music, or just enjoying the conversation. Sometimes those simple tasks are the one that slow us down when we're making progress on older projects because they're not exciting and they seem kind of tedious. So if someone else can make progress on one step, you can dive into the next step. That project seems like it's coming together a little quicker. You can also delegate steps of the process, such as machine quilting and sometimes binding to a professional. So you could just hire a long-arm quilter when your quilt top is finished, especially if you're feeling burned out on the project, or you just don't want to tear yourself away from a new project to machine quilt the old one. So I hope these tips help anyone struggling to conquer both their UFO lists and some new projects this year. If you have any other suggestions, send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. I would love to hear them. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, I'm sharing something I'm proud of and a story of how an anonymous gift of a sewing machine has helped a community. Welcome back. Now it's time for Quilty High Five, a segment where someone on our staff shares something they're proud of. And this month, it's my turn to share. So I'm giving myself a Quilty High Five for starting the new year with no UFOs. I have mentioned before on the show that I haven't had a UFO in years, and I work really hard to make sure I stay that way. So in November, our staff went on a quilt retreat And I devoted the entire three-day retreat to machine quilting projects and making significant progress on a few smaller tabletopper projects I had in the works. Then in December, I finished the binding on those two large throw quilts I was machine quilting, and I finished piecing, quilting, and binding those tabletopper projects. And it was such a good feeling to start this new year off with you know, a clean sewing room. It was like a fresh start. And I'm actually displaying all of those quilts that I finished around my home. So that's fun too. 
And because I entered the new year with no projects on my plate, I just dove into the Cross My Heart quilt along that we're hosting right now, which started on January 2nd. I love quilt alongs, uh, but sometimes I have too many things going and adding just one more thing to my plate, especially one that has, you know, a set schedule and deadlines can really stress me out. But I loved this Valentine's Day quilt, and now I have the time and energy to devote to it uh, fully and finish it to display by uh, Valentine's Day. It's always hard to push myself at the end of the year to finish projects, you know, especially because time can be so limited during the holidays, but I'm so happy I did it. And if you want to join our Valentine's Day quilt along that I'm doing, or if you have a UFO problem that you want to conquer this year, I'll link to some resources in our show notes. Okay, now I'm handing the mic over to Allison for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share stories of quilters making a difference. Take it away, Allison. Allison Norris, a resident of Antioch, California, was surprised to find a sewing machine on her doorstep in 2013. It was given to her anonymously, and she couldn't believe it. Allison had always thought about making and selling quilts, and this generous gift set everything in motion. Sewing quilts had been a dream of mine for quite a while, she said. With the help of a couple of friends who answered my questions and watching YouTube videos, I learned to sew simple rag quilts. Pretty soon after she learned to make rag quilts, she started getting requests from many people, even people she didn't know. Allison had suffered from a stroke several years prior and doesn't have full use of her right hand, leg, or much of her right side. Many of the quilts she was getting requests for were going to people facing their own set of challenges. Making people feel better through quilting has been very fulfilling. Her first large donation of 50 quilts was given to a group her daughter was involved in called Camp Creme, an all-abilities camp in the Santa Cruz Mountains. It was there that I started making special lap quilts that would fit in wheelchairs, along with large twin-size quilts that campers used for comfort in the cool mornings, said Allison. Sadly, this beautiful special needs camp was lost in the fires of 2020. This hasn't stopped Allison from continuing to make for others. Her quilts have gone to kids with cancer, veterans, and people in hospice. She makes around 100 quilts per year and has donated over 800 in the time since she started. In addition to making quilts, Allison has branched out into making bags for children in need. She started a program in 2020 called Snug as a Bug that gives kids bags filled with books, toys, personal care items, and of course, handmade bag quilts. Bags have been donated to pediatric centers, foster homes, schools, and local police departments. Her goal is to offer bags to surrounding police departments and school districts in order to reach more people in need. I am an example of just an ordinary person who nearly failed sewing in junior high. I've had challenges and losses in my life, but none of that matters when you find a purpose in your life, she said. Over 300 bags have been given out to people I've never met in places I've never been. 
Thanks so much for sharing that story, Allison. And thanks to Allison Norris on her amazing work that she's doing in her community. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, I'm sharing some details of my sewing room remodel. Welcome back. Now it's time for Get Organized, a segment where we share storage tips. And today I wanted to share a little bit about the sewing room remodel I'm doing right now. I'm just starting the process, so wanted to share a little bit about my decision-making and to-do list. And then later on in the process, I'll update everyone on how it's going. So here's a little backstory. We moved into our home in 2018, and I took over a spare bedroom on the main floor for my sewing space. Now, at that time, the home and the yard needed a lot of work. Uh, when we moved in. So to start, we really focused on the areas of the home we used the most and that company used. So, you know, we, we focused on the living room, the kitchen, the bedrooms, since we spent a lot of time in those places. And then when the pandemic hit, we focused on the yard since we needed a more usable outdoor space. And we're finally at the point where our home is mostly updated for what we need. And all this time, my sewing room has just been left unpainted. Uh, It has a complete mishmash of furniture, Um, but it was completely usable and something, you know, that worked for me for years. So I'm very thankful for that space. But now that all the other home projects are done, I am finally able to turn my attention to my sewing space. So as I was thinking about my sewing space, I knew I also wanted that space space to function as, you know, a home office for us um, as we need it. Um, So this was also in my mind while we were planning things. So the first thing I did was a deep declutter. So I declutter my sewing room every year in January, uh, but this time I did it with a, a harder critique on what I was saving because anything that was saved would have to be put into storage, moved, and then I needed to find space for it in the new room. So If a piece of fabric or a tool wasn't a 100% love it and need it, uh, I donated it. But, you know, don't worry. (laughs) I still have way too much fabric. Um, Even though I did donate, I think probably about 40 yards of fabric and a lot of smaller tools that I no longer needed. Um, But I still have so much. Um, But having some of that space cleared out will be really helpful, I think. The next step on my to-do list is to paint the room. So right now the room is this dirty off-white color. The walls are just stained. There's so many holes in the wall where the previous owners had hung shelving and pictures. So this upcoming weekend, I plan to paint all the trim and the walls a bright white color. Now, I love white for a sewing room because it allows the quilts and the fabric to bring color into that space. And the white keeps the space bright and it reflects natural light, which I love. I will also be replacing uh, the ceiling lighting that we had, which was a ceiling fan with just like a simple LED light, which will be much brighter than the lighting I currently have. I'm also replacing all of the furniture in the room. So right now, all my fabric storage is on white bookcases that were from my childhood bedroom. (laughs) So they've lasted me lots of years. 
Uh, my sewing table is this heavy black metal office desk that I got for free years ago when an office building down the road closed. The table is so heavy uh, and I bang my knees on it constantly. <laughs> and then my cutting table is a black card table. Um, and my chair is a drum throne from my husband's drum set. Uh, like I said earlier, it all works for me, but it's not really how I picture my dream space. So I've already bought some new furniture that's sitting in boxes waiting to be assembled once I'm done painting. But I bought a large white cube storage unit from Walmart. Um, I'm hoping that will house most, if not all, of my fabric. Um, I bought a wrap desk that sits in a corner um, and an office chair, both from Ikea. And I bought all of this furniture without ever seeing it in person. <laughs> I just ordered online. So I'm just hoping that once I open the boxes and I get things assembled, that they're what I pictured for this space, um, especially because I do not live by an Ikea. I had to drive six hours to this Ikea and transfer this furniture back. So it would be very hard to exchange this furniture. <laughs> so right now, you know, my plan is to spend the weekend painting, assembling furniture, and then I'll start slowly moving all of the fabric and the supplies back in. Uh, right now, I kind of have no idea how everything will fit in the space. Um, so once things are back in the space, I'll kind of reevaluate what I, you know, what else I may need. So I'm thinking probably a pegboard on the wall above my workspace would be really helpful. Um, I love the idea of hanging a lot of quilts on the wall, um, as well as maybe some shelves to have plants or display cute sewing trinkets. Um, and maybe a rolling cart to hold my ironing supplies. Uh, we'll see. I think I'll have a better idea once I see the space put together more. Um, but I'm very excited about this transition for my space. It's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot to move out of the space and then back in. It, it was a lot of money to spend, uh, but I know it'll be worth it. So I will update everyone in a few weeks to let you know how everything went. Uh, if you have any questions for me or suggestions, feel free to email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com, or you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at lindsmayland, that's L-I-N-D-S-M-A-Y-L-A-N-D. Uh, I'm sure I'll be sharing lots of behind the scenes, before and after pictures, uh, parts of the process on social media. Okay, now I'm handing the mic over to Doris for what's on my workspace. Take it away, Doris. This is Doris, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting. I've been blessed with a few babies in my life this year, including a new grandson and a great niece born just before Christmas. And who doesn't love making quilts for babies? I'm currently making another baby quilt this time for a friend who has waited many years for a sweet baby girl who could make her appearance any day now. I'm using the Falls Finery pattern from the American Patchwork and Quilting October 2021 issue. The background I chose is a white with tiny gray flowers. I'm using several very soft pinks from my stash and an accent fabric of a floral in blue-violet with pink flowers. I just love how it's coming together. Thanks so much, Doris. 
I just love that pattern you made. And uh, we're actually still selling copies of the October 2021 issue, and it's on sale right now. So if you want to see more from that issue and buy it, we'll link to it in the show notes. And that's it for today's show. But before we go, I need your help. In early February, we're doing another Ask Us Anything podcast show where we answer all of our listeners' questions. It's always one of my favorite shows we do. So if you have a question about, you know, anything sewing or quilting related, something about our jobs or personal projects, or even a just for fun non-quilting question, uh, shoot them my way through email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is listed in the show notes and we'll answer them on an upcoming show. Thanks and everyone have a great week. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us Have a creative week.